red panty night when you're trying to find me, yeah? Back at your back at home with your wife. I will correct you, you are wrong. Ghetto man and he fights in a ghetto way. He touched the bell. He can't even reach it. Are you guys fooling me? Are you guys, you better not fool me. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Jeremy Brand here for another episode of Sucker Radio. We've had three events go down over an eight-day course. UFC action in Florida. This did not come without controversy. I'm not going to talk about it myself. I'm going to let my guest talk about it. Uh, James Lynch joins the show, and he will chat with us right now. Joining the show now is a man who is arguably one of the hardest workers in the mixed martial arts community. He's made a name for himself via the regional scene, moved his way up to interviewing some of the biggest stars in the UFC. He's now the head editor over at The Score MMA. Please welcome James Lynch to the show. James, thanks for joining me today, man. Jeremy, thanks for having me, man. Good to, good to talk to you again. For sure. Uh, it's a shame that it's not in person. Uh, I've really wanted I mean, we hung out, uh, me, you, Don Andrews. Uh, at White Spot locally a few months back, and uh, it sort of sucks that we haven't been able to do that again. Absolutely. Well, phase three, whenever that's coming in, I'm sure we'll we'll do it up again. We might have to sit with you know some face masks on and maybe some gloves, but uh, hopefully we'll be back doing that uh, quite soon. So yeah, it's uh, good. This is the next best thing is uh, doing sucker radio. I appreciate it <laughs> for sure. I did see actually today that. Um, restaurants are able to have dine-in, um, service as of today, Tuesday, uh, May, whatever the date is, 19th. Uh, yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I'm sure it's going to be an interesting time for the restaurant scene and everyone else. And, and everything is just sort of moving and flowing as it goes. Myself with the school board, uh, we're supposedly going to be back to work as of June 1st. I heard Ontario canceled schools as of today. So who the heck knows what's going to happen tomorrow? It could be all a new game and completely different. Yeah. I'm just, uh, listening to, you know, the Bonnie Henry updates and everything and just, you know, kind of seeing what I can, but uh, I'm going to be patient. I mean, we, I mean, Jeremy, we're pretty lucky living here. Like it's a lot better here than it is other places in Canada and even obviously other places in the U S so glad to see some stuff is, uh, we're seeing some progress. We're flattening that curve as they, as they're saying. So that, that's the good news for sure. Now I want to go back before, uh, this past week where we had the three events. So I want to go back to when, this pandemic first hit. I, I had uh, Nick Baldwin on the show, actually your your cohort over there at the Score. Uh, when I first brought Sucker Radio back, and and we talked about what it was like and coming up with ideas uh, while there was no MMA on. So I just wanted to ask you sort of the same thing about how was it for you guys over there and and yourself in particular coming up with ideas. Obviously, you had to go outside the box and and come up with different ideas. Uh, for when there was no MMA news to report on. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was, if anything, it just made things busier, uh, which is fine. Like, it, I've been doing more features. I've been doing more sort of, uh, you know, evergreen articles, as they say, that, uh, you know, can be used for whatever. Um, I mean, like, one of the things Nick and I started doing was the, the the rescoring articles where we'll go back and watch old fights and rescore them and give sort of our take on that. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun and just uh, coming up with, 
you know, just different ideas of uh, like I did one on, uh, you know, fighters that had short careers that were successful and, and things like that. So it's just it's really sort of thinking outside the box there. And then in terms of video, like that's mainly what I do is a lot of the video content on the score channel. Uh, that's been pretty easy because fighters are still around to talk. Um, if anything, I've, you know, taken time to interview some past fighters, ones that have retired or ones that, uh, you know, people would know, but they haven't, uh, you know, they don't kind of want to know what they've been up to and everything like that. And then the other thing is like, because I do those pros picks videos, a lot of the stuff I've done with like questions that I've asked fighters are, are evergreen. So there are things like, you know, what's your favorite post fight cheat meal? What do you think about judging? What do you think we could do to improve that? Like, those are things that, um, I've had in the bank and I still have in the bank for months. So, uh, from a video perspective, it's been pretty easy. Like it hasn't been that bad as opposed to some people that rely very heavily on the news with us. We've sort of found ways to uh, just be more creative. And, and I, I like the challenge of it. I think it's really uh, put everyone in the industry on notice in terms of you got to come up with creative stuff. Otherwise, people aren't going to click. So uh, I've been really happy with what Nick and I have been able to do and just keeping uh, keeping people happy and keeping people entertained in terms of uh, content and having stuff that they can you know uh, digest on a regular basis. Two things from that. You're very lucky to be able to, to keep your position because I have seen a lot of Actual big big name journalists in the MMA scene and actually journalism overall have lost their positions due to this whole thing. Uh, a few people even recently, as of I, I saw yesterday, a couple guys lost their roles uh, with some larger outlets. So you're lucky to be able to to have that. And and how lucky are you to be with the score? Well, very lucky. Um, I'm in a bit of a different position than some of those other sites because a lot of them are MMA just base sites, whereas the score is a sports site. So. I mean, if they get rid of me and Nick, I mean, there's going to be no MMA coverage. So it's just the two of us. So we kind of lucked out there. But um, I, I think at the same time, um, yeah, it's, it's it's unfortunate. I haven't seen that many people like laid off. I've seen some sort of some freelancers. The only full timer that I know that that I, I know was let go, and I think that's who you're referring to, is, is Pete Carroll from MMA Fighting, which I don't know what they're doing over there and how he was decided to they, they want to let him go because he's a valuable part of that site. But, um, you know, I think it, it's just uh, I, I think a lot of the sites that rely so heavily on news and event coverage uh, it is impacting them. And that's, again, where you got to come up with stuff that's really going to, uh, you know, feed the appetite of MMA fans. And, um, you know, it's again, we're in a bit of a different situation because we sort of and, and it's not even just that we're a sports, um, you know, uh, network. It's that uh, also, you know, we're catering to a different audience like they're not we, we don't have to report on every one championship fight that breaks or every Bellator fight because we're really catering to a casual audience. So it makes things a little bit easier from that perspective to create content because we're really doing it to, you know, people like my dad dad, who I would call a casual fan who did watch the fights over the weekend, which goes to show you that, uh, you know, obviously there is an appetite for it with no other sports going on. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, in general, I'm just, I'm lucky to even be working full time in this industry. It's just a very uh, difficult industry to make a living in. And I'm certainly happy to be a part of it. 100%. Now, what, what was one thing that surprised you over those few weeks where there was no MMA, uh, whether it's an article that you wrote that did really well that, you know, you saw people hitting you up on Twitter and whatnot, or something that you spoke to someone about anything surprise you uh, that you heard from people or, or anything like that? Yeah, I'm just trying to think, um, you know, a couple of the like, well, I'll give you one from last week, for example, like I just did, you know, the preview articles for the two UFC cards that are fight nights, which let's be honest, not really strong fight night cards. If you think about it, I mean, uh, 249 was stacked, but I, I was, you know, I was a little concerned to see what the numbers would be like on previews for, you know, the Smith and Teixeira card and also the Overeem and Harris card. And actually the views were great uh, from like, just looking in the back end. Uh, I mean, they were like, we got numbers that you'd get on like a pay-per-view. So, um, you know, I don't know 
if that's because people want stuff to watch or because, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you'll just watch whatever you can type thing. But uh, that, that sort of surprised me a little bit more. Um, the, the one thing that I'm happy to see, and I, I wasn't sure because you never really know when you're trying something new what the audience will be like. But the um, uh, the, the rewatch articles, those have done quite well for something that's, you know, old. Right. So that's like the numbers on all those have been really good. And uh, a lot of people telling me I don't know what I'm doing and all this stuff because, it's you know, people are upset. I had to do the Johnny Hendricks, George St. Pierre one. You know, spoiler alert, I, I rewatched it and I felt like Johnny Hendricks won the fight. So obviously a lot of angry Canadians, but that's, you know, you got to be objective here. So I think that I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that because everyone loves GSP. Right. So. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think in general, just the surprise has been that people are still watching the content, even if it's, you know, UFC stuff that's not even really that notable. I, I think that's what's been the biggest surprise. All right, let's take it back. First event, we had UFC 249. Uh, pretty damn good card. A uh, week before, though, leading up, you got to take part in the media day. You weren't sure if that was going to continue the rest of the week with the next few cards, but it did. Uh, how cool was that to be able to be part of the media day where you're interviewing these guys that you would normally do on scene, uh, but you got to do it over the computer? It, it had to be an interesting situation. Well, it's, I mean, most of my interviews are remote anyway, so it was like, it was a pretty easy transition, but uh, it was just getting used to doing like a scrum form. I mean, you've been in scrums before where, yeah. you know, it's virtual. So the way they would do it is they have this, you know, meeting set up where you'd have to sort of raise your hand and you'd have to wait to, to get picked or whatever to answer your question. But yeah, it was good. I mean, there was a bit of troubleshooting from the start um, because we have to basically record this, the, the feed on our own. The UFC does provide us video, but it's 24 hours after, which is no bueno. If you're in the YouTube world, you got to get everything up right away. So. So I was using a screen capturing software. So that was a little different. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's that old thing, right? Anytime you do a media scrum, you got to have, you know, 10, 20 questions if you can, because chances are someone's going to ask something you already asked and you don't want to go to your question and you got nothing to talk about. So, um, that's been interesting. I'm just, I'm glad that we've got to do it because, uh, especially in Canada, like I know even, um, you know, our, our friend Aaron Bronsetter who normally covers the pay-per-views, he can't leave Canada like the rest of us, right? Because of the travel ban. So our essential work ban, I should say, um, or they're only allowing people, people for essential work. So uh, it's nice that I'm still able to get some content there. Um, and the UFC is helping provide that. And I think that really is the right call just with what's happening. And, and I enjoy it. I mean, it's fun. I get to watch the fights. I get to interview them after, and I can still go to my fridge and get snacks. So that's a bonus. <laughs> For sure. Now at UFC 249, you know, we saw some pretty big upsets to some. Justin Gaethje defeating Tony Ferguson. Uh, the Nganu fight wasn't really an upset, but it was over and done with really quick. Uh, what's Rather than me talking about fights individually, what was a, a few of the fights that stuck out to you in the, overall in that card? Well, I think the Gaethje fight, I just think the way it played out where Gaethje, you know, people still disagree when I say this, but he, I thought he dominated the fight. I mean, Tony did have some moments, but I thought overall, if you look at the fight, uh, you know, leading up to the fifth round, this was all Justin Gaethje. I don't think anyone felt like Tony was, you know, had a shot to, to win this thing unless he he finished it. Um, I actually picked Justin Gaethje before the fight. I felt like he was more active and I felt like Tony Ferguson gets hit, hit a lot. So I, I didn't think that would bode well for him. And I'm I'm pretty sure I picked Tony Ferguson in all of his fights previous, um, but, uh, but this Gaethje matchup, I just didn't like it from a style perspective. Uh, so that, that was sort of surprising. I think in the co-main event, I wasn't surprised to see Cejudo win. I was surprised that he's decided to retire. Now I know MMA retirements there, you know, they, they don't last that long or, you know, fighters come out of retirement all the time. But, um, I think the telling thing in this is that his coach was very, you know, emotional after the fight, uh, captain Eric. And, and that makes me think that this is something that is going to stick. I know his manager said otherwise, but, uh, I think, I think that was a bit surprising just because Cejudo just won the title last year. And, uh, you know, I figured we'd see him compete a little bit longer. So that was a bit surprising. 
surprising as well. Um, other than that, I, I think, you know, sort of what we expected from a lot of these fights, a lot of the favorites ended up winning. The other fight that sort of stood out was the Bryce Mitchell and Charles Rosa fight. I wasn't surprised that Bryce Mitchell won. I was just surprised at how dominant he was. Charles Rosa is not an easy fight for anyone. Bryce Mitchell really showing the evolution in his game. I mean, here's a guy that we forget that lost to Brad Katona on the Ultimate Fighter, a guy who's a bantamweight and, uh, you know, still uh, carved out a really good, um, you know, career for himself in the UFC. And this was a, a huge win for him just to win as dominant as he was. There's big things ahead for him for sure. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think, and, and I guess the other surprise was Verdum. I couldn't believe how bad he looked in that fight and not taking anything away from Alexi Olenek, who, you know, looked in the best shape of his career. And that's saying something because that guy has like a hundred fights. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Verdum just looked like a shell of him for himself. And I, I know he's had some, you know, run-ins with USADA and he's been away for a while, but that did not look anything close to the Verdum that we saw fight, you know, Cain Velasquez or anyone like that. So that was a bit surprising too. I have no idea where he fits in the division, but for Olenek, he's still winning fights, uh, there's a lot of fun matchups for him going forward. And he says he wants to fight seven more years. I don't know about that, but uh, in general, uh, he's, he's a fun guy to watch. So really great card. And it, and it really, uh, really delivered on a number of levels. So good on the UFC for making this happen. I, I wanted to bring up the Bryce Mitchell fight myself as well. And yes, Bryce Mitchell is an ace, the submission skills and the transitions. And I, I mean, the amount of twisters uh, attempts that he tried to pull off and, and arm triangles has to be a record for the UFC. Uh, has to be a record for MMA because that was absolutely crazy. But one thing you got to say is you got to give it up to Charles Rosa for being able to, uh, you know, withstand all those submission attempts. The, the submission defense on his part was second to none. Certainly was. And I think it just shows, you know, how good Charles Rosa really is. I mean, you look at the last fight I know is uh, the fight before the Bryce Mitchell fight was against Manny Bermudez, who's a slick guy on the ground and Rosa went out there and submitted him. So it just goes to show you how confident he is in his jujitsu. But full credit, I don't hear enough sort of credit given. I'm not uh, speaking to you specifically, but just in general, uh, Mitchell's coach is Roly Delgado. who used to be on the Ultimate Fighter, was in the UFC. He is a fantastic coach. I've seen him train a lot of guys on the regional scene and just see them blossom under his tutelage. And I think Bryce Bryce's ground game is, is a testament to that, and it's so good to see that Roley has found success because he didn't have a lot of success in the UFC, and to see him have success in coaching, um, I, I think it's no coincidence that Bryce is really coming into his own right now under Roley Delgado, who's done just an outstanding job with uh, Mitchell in his ground game and his evolution as a fighter. All right, Wednesday night, UFC Fight Night 171. We lucked out with some Wednesday fights. Uh, has been quite a while since we've had midweek fights. Those are always fun. Uh, I'll talk about some fights that I thought stood out. Obviously, Brian Kelleher, what a performance by him. A big round two knockout of uh, Hunter Azur. Uh, that fight was fun. Uh, moving on, I thought uh, I was surprised how the lackluster performance by Sarah Morris. I mean, she didn't really do much out there. Uh, it's unfortunate. Sajera Eubanks completely dominated her in that performance. And I have to say, I was truly surprised by Andre Arlovsky. This guy comes out there at the age, he, he's been around for what seems like forever, and he does keep evolving. He was switching his stances, he was landing kicks, he was landing punches, and he wasn't overcommitting to anything. So uh, the evolution of Andre Arlovsky surprised me. What from this card uh, got you, other than, I guess, obviously the main event and the fact that it wasn't stopped earlier? <laughs> 
Well, let's uh, let's start with the first fight of the night, Chase Sherman. Um, this guy looks completely different than we last saw him in the UFC in 2018. I know he fought in bare knuckle and fought on the regional scene a bit, but he looks great. Um, I really enjoyed that performance over Ike Villanueva, who's a really tough guy. I know Ike's more of like a light heavyweight, but that was still a good win for, for Chase Sherman and just, you know, showing a lot of patience in that fight and just, you know, seeming, uh, you know, just sort of seemed very calm out there. You know, Chase was a young guy that was sort of thrust in the UFC and, uh, you know, sort of had to learn on the fly. And, and it really seems like he's putting things together and, and it, you know, Looks like financially as well outside the octagon, he's he's got a steady job. So you know he, he fighting sort of secondary for him, and I think for a lot of fighters that's a that's a good option to have where you're not having to stress out as much about finances. So good for Chase Sherman, look really good there. You mentioned Kelleher, huge win over Hunter Azure, who Azure was undefeated heading into that one, so that was a really big win for him. Uh, the Sarah Morris fight, you know, I do I feel so bad for Sarah because you know as as I'm sure everyone knows, you know Sarah left BC to go train in Vegas. She's gone all in on this fighting thing. She that's all she does is fight, and uh, she was just outmatched by much stronger opponent in Sajara Eubanks. Um, I don't know where Sarah goes from here. Um, you know, it just seemed like she, you know, just struggled with with the strength and, and size of Sajara. And Sarah did mention a possibility for going down to 125. Uh, the weight cut apparently went really well. So that could be an option for her. Maybe she'd have more success there. But that was, uh, you know, big win for Sajara, who uh, was coming into this off two losses to um, uh, Aspen Ladd and Betchkohea. So really nice rebound win there. The other fight that surprised me, Tiago Moises. Now, here's a guy I've followed for a while, fought in RFA fought on contender series. I thought Michael Johnson was going to win this fight. If you look at it on paper, just from the experience and who everyone's Johnson's fought, and I know Johnson's been very inconsistent, but that first round, I thought Johnson's probably going to end up winning a decision or get a finish. And out of nowhere, Tiago Moises getting the ankle lock submission, super impressive. This kid's 25 years old, and I have no doubt that him training with Dustin Poirier at American Top Team definitely benefited him because, of course, Poirier fought Johnson, ended up losing that fight, but still to have that knowledge and to have that coaching from a guy like Dustin Poirier, got to pay dividends. So Tiago Moises, a really exciting guy uh, at 155 and has now got uh, two straight wins in the lightweight division after uh, actually sorry he's got a uh, he bounced back he's alternated between wins and losses lost his debut beat Kurt Hollibaugh lost to lost his next fight and just won this one so hopefully he'll put it all together here he's only 25 years old so really like that performance you mentioned Arlovsky this guy age is not a number I don't know how much longer he'll keep fighting but this was a fight he was supposed to lose right this is the PFL uh, tournament winner that he was fighting Philip Linz and uh, Arlovsky took care of business big win for him I think you know you'll see him fight a couple more times but I really don't know what's what's left for him at this point and then the other fight I'll just quickly mention Drew Dober this guy's really come into his own I'm sure riding the momentum of Justin Gaethje's title win his teammate um, you know just the Saturday before really dominant performance over Alex Hernandez who uh, you know Hernandez has been you know very underwhelming um, I think from his debut where he knocked up Benil Dariush to where we've seen him the last couple fights including the fight before this one against Trinaldo which I don't think he won um, he's got to go back to the drawing board here exciting guy you know uh, young, but he's he's got to change some things up. But Drew Dober looks like a really dangerous dark horse in that lightweight division. Very impressed by his knockout win over Alex Hernandez on the main card. Final card of the week, UFC on ESPN 8. Uh, I won't talk about any of this fight specifically. I'll let you do that. But uh, one thing I will say is the judging was absolutely horrendous. Uh, three fights that I speak of, uh, I will clearly say this. Uh, it's no secret. But I do believe Marlon Vera... Edson Barboza and Angela Hill all won their fights. So I'm going to say that on the record. I'm pretty sure I said it on Twitter myself. All those people also thought they won the fights. But uh, I'll let you talk about the card itself and how cool was it post-fight the way uh, Nate Landwehr uh, shouted you out during your interview with him. That (laughs) was pretty awesome, man. 
Yeah, that was cool. I didn't I didn't really expect that. Nate and I have been doing interviews for a couple of years now, so he was just happy to, I guess, hear a familiar face or whatever. So shout out to Nate. That was really cool of him. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's unfortunate that judging did sort of uh, over overshadow this. To me, the Vera song fight was the worst one. I thought Vera clearly won the fight. Um, I had him up two rounds to, to one uh, in that one. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. Song Yedong, uh, you know, 22 years old, gets another controversial win. Uh, in the last fight, it was a draw, but uh, that was a fight I think a lot of people felt Cody Stamen won. So a lot of people not liking Yudong Song, but let's not forget, like I said, 22 years old, still evolving. Marlon Chita Vera, unfortunate. He had a nice winning streak heading into this one. Probably should have came away with the win there, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen uh, going forward there. The Ige Barbosa fight was a little bit closer. I did have Edson Barbosa winning, um, but I think it was one of those situations where Barbosa, especially in that second round, sort of let the fight go a little bit. So I don't, I, I don't have. I mean, Dan Ige is one of the nicest guys I've ever interviewed. So uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm not terribly upset. He ended up taking home the, the split decision, but it does, uh, you know, change a lot of things in the featherweight division because had Barbosa won just with his wins at 55, who knows where he would be right now. Ige though looked has made significant improvements since losing his UFC debut a couple of years ago to Julio Arce, uh, really looking uh, to to take that next step. And I think this win over Barbosa is certainly going to have him in that conversation of some of the top guys in the featherweight division. The co-main event was another one where I thought it could have gone either way. Um, I wasn't terribly outraged by Gidea winning the fight. Um, you know, certainly she had the wear and tear on her face, but um, I, I did think Gidea had her moments in this fight. I thought in that first round in particular, I thought she did well there. Um, the third round, I think, is where people take issue. A lot of people felt Hill won. I, I think Gidea might have edged out that third round, but... Again, it's it's a back and forth one, and and, and I think the other thing is, uh, you know, sometimes it's good to watch these back without the commentary. Sometimes that can be play a little bit of an influence there. But uh, yeah, I think I mean this is something I've been asking fighters over the last couple of months. I'm actually gonna have a video coming out soon on uh, how to improve the judging situation. And I think you know we got to start looking th- at things like open scoring and and adding in more judges or adding in MMA fighters as judges. But then you got to obviously worry about the biases of you know fighters who have trained together. So the judging's got to be reevaluated. And I think the other thing too is we got to get off this boxing model. Like it's MMA that, you know, we've, UFC has been around for a while now. They, they got to reevaluate the system and just, I, I think, um, you know, be more open to handing out, you know, like a 10, five or a 10, six or something like, mm-hmm. why should someone get nearly finished? Like, here's a prime example. I, I don't want to jump ahead of myself here, but like Walt Harris and Alistair Overeem, like, how do you score that fight? Does, does Overeem, because Overeem survived that onslaught and look good towards the end of the first, does he take that round? Like, do we completely just ignore that Walt Harris nearly finished Overeem in the main event? I mean, that that's where like, you need a better scoring system for that because to me, Harris should get like you know, nine, 10 points in that round and over him, even though he looked good at the end, maybe he should only get three or four. Like to me, you got to sort of look at that too. And that's, I'm sure a podcast we could do on our own, but there, yeah. <laughs> there does need to be something done with the judging just because it seems like every card we've got some, something to talk about in, in judging. For sure. I, w- I won't say that I think that those three fights were robberies by any means, because we've seen far worse, yeah. uh, like those bouts that you guys did, you know, re rescoring or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were definitely way closer fights that, that could have gone either way. I, I just wasn't a fan of the way things played out. And it wasn't even just this night in particular, but all three nights there were some odd calls. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's going to continue to be a problem. And you'd think without the crowd, it would actually get better judging because that's one of the things they say is that does the crowd influence the judges? Well, didn't like it doesn't look like it matters. I think what it really comes down to is um, and another thing I, I would mention as far as improving the judging situation is more accountability. I mean, we know who the judges are, but if you make a mistake as a judge, like what happens? Nothing. I mean, if you make a mistake as a fighter, look at Paul Daly pushes the ref after the fight. He's not in the UFC anymore. I mean, that's the type of stuff you'd like to see where if a judge is on their phone or a judge 
judges, you know, just not watching the same stuff that we're watching. I mean, you, you got to be accountable for that. I think there's got to be some responsibility and it's got to be a little bit more rigorous to be a judge as opposed to just, you know, getting some guy who knows boxing and coming in and scoring an MMA fight. Like you've never trained jujitsu. How on earth are you supposed to, you know, judge an MMA fight? So I think there's some room for improvement as far as some of the judging goes. I think some of the, the criticism that's the wrong way or I, I know a lot of my staff actually have said, you know, the Florida commission is terrible. And, and Dana has also said, you know, we're going to move to Arizona or something like that. Or Vegas, if we can't do Vegas, we're going to move elsewhere. Not sure whether that was because of the judging or not, but people have to look at who was judging. Like Sal D'Amato does not just judge in Florida. He's judging in Vegas. He's judging in California. He's all over the place. So these judges are licensed by the commissions, but they're not based to that one commission. These guys are judging all over the place. Yeah, and you and you'd think when you see scorecards that are that are like Sal Diamato is a prime example. I can I can tell you a handful of fights oh, yeah. that he's that he's scored and they just they haven't been good scorecards. So there's got to be some repercussions for that. And I'm not saying like obviously you don't want to get too personal. You don't have people you know hurling out death threats and things like that. But we do have to have some sort of responsibility. It's like if you or I did something bad in our job, if we made a mistake, you get reprimanded for it. You have to apologize. I never see a judge come out and say, "Whoops, I, I scored that wrong." You'll never hear it because otherwise they won't be a judge anymore. But there's got to be a better system there for the accountability of some of these scorecards because we're not just talking about like you know wins and losses we're talking about a fighter's career where if a, a decision went a different way it could really change like look at Chito Vera how do you want that fight we'd be talking about him fighting some of the top guys in the bantamweight division now because of the setback he's back fighting the guys he was used to fighting so just you know examples like that is how it really has an impact let's quickly talk about the main event Alistair Overeem as you said weathered the storm in the first round was able to finish Walt Harris in the second round emotional evening uh even leading into it the Friday before uh ESPN aired the documentary on Walt Harris and his daughter who was murdered uh before we talk about the fight itself what were your thoughts on that are what are your thoughts on them you know airing something based on tragedy I think you have to talk about it because, I mean, how could you not? It's just, it's something so significant. It, it went beyond our sport. I mean, this was, you know, Walt was on Dr. Phil. I mean, it's it was a huge story, uh, you know, that, that you need to talk about. However, and I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, I thought it was a little overdone. I, I thought they kind of, they kept playing the promo over and over again, and it's like, okay, we get it. And I know it's a great story, and it's a great, and it, I'm saying this as, as no slight on Walt. Like, uh, he's handling this the best you possibly could. I mean, I, I think he's handling it better than most would, but the fact that ESPN just kept going back to that well and kept, you know, promoting it, I, I thought it was a little much, um, you know, because pe- people understood it. I mean, it was talked about for weeks. It's not like someone's tuning in for the first time and didn't know about it. Um, so I thought there was a little bit of overkill uh, on ESPN. And I know they got to make money and I know they got to, you know, tell stories and that's how you get new fans. But I thought it was I thought it was a bit overdone there. So that, that's my agree. initial thoughts on that. For sure. I completely agree. I, I understand, you know, fighting for Anaya makes sense. Great hashtag. That's what Walt Harris was doing. He was fighting for his daughter who had passed away. Um, but, you know, they could have aired it once during the prelims or the early prelims shown it mm-hmm. twice during the regular prelims and then once during the main card. They, uh, it was definitely overdone. It was basically shown at every commercial break. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and not, and as you said, nothing against Walt because obviously he was fighting these things. Uh, emotions are there for him. He knows that all this is going on, and, and I'm sure it had to get to him inside the cage as well. Absolutely, and and I think it's just, you know, again, you, you need to mention it, but do it in a way where it's, 
not as obvious, I guess, if, if that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, I think ESPN kind of overdid it a little bit as far as that goes. But props to Walt Harris for for doing it and stepping in there and and also having to answer all the questions. Like, no offense to some of the media out there, but it's like like he's been asked this I don't know how many times. Like, watch other interviews. I mean, it takes two seconds. Do a Google search. Yeah. Hey, Walt Harris did this interview. Like, you're asking him the same questions. It's like that that's in general. You should always try and you know figure out what's been asked and try and get some different stuff out of that. So there, there's my lesson for the day. <laughs> uh, what were your thoughts on the fight itself? I mean, we have to have guys like Dominic Cruz watching this fight thinking, oh my God, the referee let this go. Obviously, Dan Mergliata, one of the best in the business, stood back, watched. Overeem's eyes weren't in the back of his head at any point. He was still, you know, uh, safely defending the punches, I guess you could say. And then he weathered the storm. But do you think it went too far? No, I, th- I thought it was I thought it was the right call. I mean, if the ref had stepped in and stopped the fight, no complaints here. I literally thought the ref was going to stop it and stop it as I'm watching this. I'm like, Overeem's done. But, you know, props to, the, to Mergliata for, for letting it go a little bit longer because it definitely changed the outcome of the fight. Overeem ended up coming back and winning. So um, it, was, it was, to me, it was, on, it was on the line, right? Like, if they had stopped it, no complaints. Maybe some fans would complain it was a little early. But, uh, you know, thank, thankfully they didn't because, it, you know, it was, it, we saw sort of a different outcome of the fight. I know everyone would have wanted Walt to win, but... I mean, that's why there's three rounds in a fight. You got to, you know, pace yourself. You have to, you know, make sure you don't overexert yourself. And that's, I, I know that's what Walt did, but who wouldn't? I mean, Overeem's been knocked out before in the first round. So, I, in fact, I'm trying to remember if there's ever been a fight where Overeem's been knocked down like that and come back. None come to mind. I mean, it just goes to show the evolution in his game and also just the experience as well. That was one of the things I talked about leading into this fight is that you got Walt Harris, who's, you know, younger guy, less damaged, not younger by much. I think he's only three years younger, but still the experience. We're talking about a guy in Overeem who, not only fought in kickboxing, but also has 43 more fights than Walt Harris. That's mm-hmm. a huge experience gap. So I'm sure part of that of him, you know, being able to come back was because of that experience. So didn't have an issue with the stoppage, but at the same time, had they stopped it, I don't think I would have complained either. Let's go back then. I, I mentioned Dominic Cruz had to be watching this thinking, oh my God, scratching his head because yeah, he was rocked. He was knocked down, but the fight was stopped as he was getting back to his feet. Were you fine with that stoppage? I was. I didn't have a huge issue because to me that first knee, uh, it looked like Cruz would, you know, got rocked there. And I think, and I know it's a title fight, and I know you got to leave some more leniency there. But I, I don't think like if this was a fight where, let's say Cruz was winning and he got rocked there, and you know it was a little bit different, um, then yeah, maybe there could be some more some more complaints there. But um, I, I thought the stoppage was fine. I remember watching it, thinking it's fine, and then only when I went to social media, I saw everyone sort of, you know, up in arms about it. But. Um, and, and by the way, like I, I didn't like, I know Cruz is upset. It was a bit, you know, his opportunity to win back the title and all that. But I think the way he handled that, I mean, he's coming out and saying that Keith Peterson is, you know, was, had alcohol in his yeah. breath and is smoking. And he said other fighters as well said that, well, where are these fighters that are supporting you, Dominic? Like he's normally a pretty classy guy. Like I remember when he lost a Garbrandt, you know, licked his chops and moved on, but, um, just a little disappointing there. I, I get the frustration, but at the same time, like, you know, you can't uh, unless you got like other people backing you up. He's not looking very good right now as far as uh, making those allegations. All right. So moving forward, as we said, Tyrone Woodley, Gilbert Burns, the next fight. Uh, are you surprised that the UFC has kept it so tight lipped on this? I'm not. I think they they, they want to try and do the card in Vegas. I think they're probably just waiting for, for everything to get cleared up and them doing it. And, you know, they were a little bit secretive about the Florida card as well because, you know, there's uh, New York Times ran that story. Like there's I, I don't blame them for kind of keeping things tight lipped uh, as long as the fighters know and they're they're, uh, you know, uh, they're able to know what's going on and being kept in the loop. I, I don't see a huge issue with it. But again, I think there's a lot of logistical stuff because you got to think of the covid tests and everything else. So it doesn't surprise me. Do you think we still see Fight Island? 
Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think as far as I what I've been hearing is that they're just they're they're still building it. So once they get that all figured out, then they'll start to get some of those international fighters on that card. Would you want to travel to that? Uh, I don't think I can leave. I mean, I I even if they did deem it essential, I'd probably still wait a little bit longer just because I got a family. I as long if they continue to do the virtual media days, I'm I'm fine staying at home. It's all good by me. For sure. Uh, what can fans and uh, viewers look forward to from you in the in the next couple weeks here? Because as we said, two weeks still until the next card. So we've got a bit of a lull. Uh, what can they expect out of you from the score? Uh, well, I'll have the podcast going next week. I took this week off. Just I literally had no time to do interviews last week with uh, the, the two events going on and having to do all the media days. Like I don't think people realize that we had so we had the UFC card. I'm not complaining, by the way. I'm just letting you know the schedule here. But <laughs> we had we had to do the UFC card Wednesday night, and then we had to do media day the very next morning. So like we were up late doing the card, doing the post-fight interviews, and then we had to get up early and do the media day. So that really threw a, th- a wrench in my plans in terms of doing interviews and things like that. So uh, next week, the podcast will be back. Still working on some guests uh, as far as that goes. And then the rest of the week, um, yeah, just interview clips and just things that, you know, stuff that I have in the, you know, sort of in the archive there that's going to come out. And as far as articles, I just posted a rewatch, uh, rescoring the fight on uh, TJ Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz. Uh, if you remember, that fight took place in 2016. Some people felt like TJ Dillashaw won the fight. Some people felt like Dominic Cruz did deserve to get the win. So I revisited that. That was posted um, on uh, May 19th. And then uh, I'm going to have an article coming out on Friday looking at uh, realistic opponent options for Conor McGregor because right now he is not booked to fight anyone and I've heard a lot of names thrown out there but a lot of people got to look at the the grand scheme of things here Conor McGregor's not going to fight like a Dan Hooker he's going to fight someone that's got name value and has significance to where he wants to get to which is a UFC title so I sort of uh, look at a couple options as far as that goes on the written side of things and then I'll have a preview out next week for the Woodley and Burns card as well too so yeah always uh, always keeping busy Jeremy you know how it is for sure I want to ask actually since you bring all that up uh, it's been a few years since uh, you've had you know, fingers to the keyboard and and writing on websites. Uh, What's it like to be able to dabble back into that? Because you've been so well known for your video interviews. How does it feel getting back to doing some of the writing? It's been great. Um, I was still was doing writing while I was doing my video interview stuff, but it was mainly like, you know, news write-ups and like uh, the odd, like, remember I used to do the Veteran Watch articles yeah. on MMA Odds Breaker and things like that. But uh, no, it's good. I, writing has been a weak point of my skill set and uh, I've, I've gotten way better since I've been at the score. I'm actually with like a, you know, good group of editors that really like, you know, they, they, they're, they you know, they're professional and they're, they're really good at sort of, uh, you know, teaching me how to be a re- better writer. So it's been great for my interviews. It's been great for just even writing opinion pieces. So I feel a lot more confident, a lot more polished with some of the stuff I'm writing. So it's been, it's been great. Like it's, that was sort of the, the one thing where, you know, I could write, but I never really felt like I was, you know, a great writer. And now I'm starting to feel like I'm a little bit better as far as that goes. And like, you know, you got to be versatile in this industry. So it's been, it's been a a good uh, thing to work on over the last year. Well, James, I appreciate you joining me today, man. Uh, obviously, uh, if people don't know who you are by now, uh, they're obviously living under a rock. Uh, if they're in the MMA space, if you're listening to this podcast and if you don't know who James Lynch is, uh, James, just let them know where they can find you in the social media world. Easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter, at Lynch on Sports. Same handle on Instagram. That's L-Y-N-C-H on sports, all one word. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. We just passed 20,000 subscribers in under a year last week. Uh, so that is YouTube.com slash The Score MMA. We're always posting something every day. So uh, that's one thing to look forward to. And we're not like these other sites that steal content and repurpose stuff. It's all original content. So uh, we're going to give you guys something a little bit different when you head over to The Score's YouTube channel. And uh, thanks for having me 
on, man. It's always good uh, catching up with you, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get back to, to seeing each other at some regional shows uh, when when this whole COVID thing's over with, but it uh, could be a while. We'll, we'll see what happens. Definitely. Regional shows, maybe White Spot. Maybe we should yes. just pick something up and hang out uh, at a beach or something. <laughs> yeah, or maybe we get, uh, get get Ryan Ventura over. We'll play some NHL 94 or something. There you go. All right, James. <laughs> uh, have a great day. Enjoy the sunshine. Uh, hope to chat soon, buddy. Anytime, buddy. Appreciate it. That was James Lynch. I thank him for joining the show. Not much else to talk about. As we said, a couple uh, weeks of a lull in MMA action uh, before the UFC returns. I believe we have a one championship card at the end of the month as well, uh, if that is going forward. Make sure you check us out, MMASucka.com, for all your news, rumors, interviews, all that other jazz. Check us out on Twitter, at MMASucka, on Instagram, at MMA underscore Sucka. You can follow me on Twitter, at JeremyBrand604, and on Instagram, at Jeremy underscore 604. With that, I am out.